Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong. Happy to be here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you today? You know, I, I'm doing okay. I've survived the first week of school. Our kids went back to school on August 10th, and it's going to be a mix of in-person and online learning. And obviously, there are the regular glitches that you might accept, expect. And I had a, a kid in every level, so I have one in second grade, one in eighth grade, and one in 10th grade. But I may have a few more gray hairs, but I have an appointment for the hairdresser pretty soon. So I'm hoping, you know, that'll that'll all work out. <laughs> well, kudos to you and all the other parents who are, are dealing with this right now. Uh, you were talking to me before the show and uh, the amount of patience that it takes to, because you, you've got one of each. I mean, you've got one, one yeah. of each different series, so you've got to explain things in three different ways. It's, it's different ways, different. Challenging. They're trying to use, luckily they all go to the same school. It's a K through 12. So they're trying to use the same system, but the way you talk things through with a second grader is very different than, you know, you better get this done to your 10th grader. <laughs> the challenges of reopening schools during uh, the pandemic. Well, uh, on a, a similar note, we're going to be talking about hurricane preparedness during a pandemic, which, uh, you know, we got a little taste of uh, a while back. But, um, you know, hurricane season's going to be here for a while. And to talk about this subject, we've brought in a friend of the show, Nicole, mm. someone that we always love having on. And that's Nancy Stolfo Corti. She's the catalyst for senior helpers. Nancy, always good to have you back on the show. Well, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, so we're going to talk about double trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. And, you know, um, I, you know, the, one of the things I think we sort of, I don't think we've been all paying too much attention to the hurricane season this year. Usually by now we're hearing regular PSA announcements about what we need to do to get ready. And they may still be going on, but there is so much noise out there related to right. either the pandemic or the upcoming elections. And so I think that sort of went on the back burner. And I know it sort of came to a surprise to me when we had the hurricane that no one can pronounce appear a couple of weeks back. I'm not even going to try. We'll not oh, do it I justice. Know, I know. I said, I hope they don't ask me the name of that hurricane. No, no, I promise I won't. radio interview. I, I promise I won't. But, you know, when that, when that came... Um, it was just interesting because you had the governor come on and he was actually talking about, you know, the difference in the shelters. Like, if you don't really need to, don't go to a shelter because we can't practice social distancing that well and we need to have more shelters. And I just was like, wow, like there's a whole layer of a ruckus that I didn't really think about. Right. So, so. But well, how- and I think I think only in North Carolina, where we started the week last week with a hurricane out on the coast, and we ended it with an earthquake. <laughs> and the sad thing is, um, it was like we barely had a blip because there was so much news in the news cycle. And I guess my message today is, you know, even though as North Carolinians, we struggle well, and we're resilient, and we come together in times of need, that doesn't mean we need to let, let our guard down because there are a lot of changes because of COVID. So I just wanted to kind of 
distill that out of the the news so that folks um, had a little bit of a guide going forward. So what should we be thinking about, you know, if we're caregivers for somebody in the vulnerable population related to COVID, whether we're caring for them directly in our homes or perhaps, you know, we're a long-distance caregiver or maybe they're in a long-term care community, how does caregiving during a pandemic look different related to hurricane preparedness this year? So you really just touched on it. The number one thing is typically we prepare to leave our homes. Now the guidelines are saying if your home or your area can withstand winds and flooding, they're asking that you stay in place for that point that there is not a lot of room in these shelters. And for our children and our elderly population are more vulnerable, I like to break it down into ABC. Um, so if we think a hurricane hits and our kids are in school now, some of them are in school, some of them are not, um, our parents who might be in an assisted living or uh, independent care, think of ABC, A for ask. Um, first, you want to know what their plan is if they evacuate your children and maybe go to a shelter or evacuate your mom and, and dad to another community. How do you want to be reunited with them? What is the plan if they do evacuate during like the workday? Because some of us are back in the office. Then B is for bring. Make sure you ask if someone is caring for your children or your loved ones during the day, what type of supplies they need to be self-sufficient, let's say for three days. Do they need um, blood testing strips? Do they need diapers? Do they need um, food, water, just the basics? But make sure they have their prescriptions and things that they need for at least three days. And then C is um, to complete a card, a card that's either in their stuff um, that has the most updated emergency contact information. For example, um, let's say you're you're in a flood and your cell phone is is <laughs> taken away. What is a secondary cell phone? Is it maybe a sister or a brother or a spouse or a neighbor? Make sure that they have that information. I know a lot of times, I just went over this with a speaker uh, for one of my support groups last night. We were going through my contact information and I was shocked that the information he had on file for me was like from 10 years ago. And I started thinking about it and I thought, wow, I never received that title for my vehicle that was paid off a year ago. <laughs> and it's because I've never updated my information. I had an address for 20 plus years and I've never changed it. So now is a good time and that's really simple because there is so much noise and people are so freaked out with all this information. If you can concentrate on these ABCs immediately for, you know, for your family and your, your elderly population, that's a great start. And then um, I would you know prepare. There are lists. Um, I think another big point that I noticed doing my research was in the past, we could bring our pets with us mm -hmm. to these shelters. 
Well, because of social distancing and um, the spacing of residents in these shelters, a lot of them are not allowing you to bring your pets. So um, you have to have preparation Mm -hmm. for your pets. Um, I don't think a lot of us think of that. We just think we're going to load pets, kids, mom and dad in the car and go. I think another Um, good resource out there is um, the Secretary of State's office has uh, the ability for you to log your advanced directives on an online uh, on their on their website, so that if you are in a position, especially for the for older adults, where you have to hurriedly leave your home, there you can still access your loved one's advanced directives if you're not able to get them in your hands as you're walking out the door. Because unfortunately, even though we, even though we preach, you know, make sure everybody who is a healthcare power of attorney have those in hand, really putting things like this in a safe deposit box, not a great idea, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so... Well, and you can't even get into the bank now to access that without right. an appointment. Right, right, <laughs> so Exactly. So, you know, so I... I Utilizing that's great. I would suggest scanning um, those personal documents. You can uh, download TurboScan is a really great one from your cell phone. It actually scans them just like a desktop scanner. And you can uh, have those documents on your phone and then upload them to your Google Drive or to Dropbox. So you can always access those documents. I know in the past we always say, oh, have copies of this and copies of that. But really, you want to have them in a non-tangible format that you can access from anywhere because, you know, everything is changing so quickly. It's great to have that. And once you have it up there, it's, it's good for a myriad of other, you know, uses if you need those documents when you're at the hospital with a loved one. So not just during a hurricane. But I'm thinking now, if we give ourselves a little bit more time Uh, doing that, it will really serve us. Um, The prescriptions, if you can use home delivery or drive-through and pick up those extra prescriptions ahead of time to have backup, that's also a really... Start start getting those 90-day supplies. That's that's always a good idea for sure, instead of getting the the monthly supplies. Yeah. And hurricane season, I think, lasts all the way through October in in this area. So we are are in the middle of it all, and they have just increased the number of storms that they're expecting that we will... uh, that will form this year. And I know there's one tracking currently right now. I don't really think they know exactly which way it's going to go, but... um, So we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future with that one. But I definitely appreciate all of those tips that you just gave us related to hurricane preparedness. And I know that, you know, this is all overwhelming. We all have so much on our minds right now with just keeping our loved ones safe from COVID. But, you know, let let us not forget the typical types of emergencies that we experience here, right here in the Raleigh-Durham Chapel Hill market area. Right, right. Uh, another thing that um, you might not have on your list is make sure you have two masks per person over the age of two and a small hand sanitizer for each because you may not have water available to wash your hands as frequently as we need to with COVID. That's a great so tip. That- yeah, and we're uh, unfortunately, right. Nancy, we're we're just about out of time, but I do want to thank you for joining us. She is Nancy Stolfo-Corti, Catalyst with Senior Helpers. Nancy, the best place for folks to go to find more information about Senior Helpers is at seniorhelpers.com forward slash Durham. Yes, 
Perfect, yes. perfect. And if you have a question, um, also check out our Facebook page. I did send um, the pet disaster kit checklist and uh, the Red Cross checklist for families uh, that you can post on, on your website or on your you know social media, and I will post it on Senior Helpers as well, as well as a list of pet-friendly uh, places and hotels that if someone does have pets that and they have to evacuate where they can also look into. Thank you, Nancy. It's so important for us to be prepared. You know, we're dealing with a lot as it is, but uh, in case disaster strikes, we do need to make sure that we have everything shored up on our ends and our, our loved ones and friends, family and neighbors as well. A quick break and back with more. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5. AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're, uh, it, it's hard to go a segment without talking about the impact of COVID-19 and how it's disrupted things. But we're going to take a look here about how the hospital-to-home model has really uh, suffered and things have changed due to COVID-19. And that's a conversation that uh, we brought some folks to help us out. And uh, first off, we have two people on the line. And the first voice we're going to hear is Beth Adams. She is a home care liaison with Home Care Assistance. Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. And along with Beth, we also have Courtney McAlpin. She is the marketing manager for Biata Home Health Care. Courtney, thank you for joining us as well. Yes, good morning. So this is a really interesting conversation and one that I um, love because I think community-based care is incredibly important for our older adult population, our chronic, uh, our population with chronic conditions. And I really feel like it's been a shining star during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, I know a lot of families are especially hesitant to place a loved one in a long-term care community right now because a lot of the focus of the media has really been on the spread of COVID-19 in the more congregate living settings. And I can speak to the experience we've had at Transitions Guiding Lights with respect to, you know, when the COVID-19 pandemic started in this area around March, uh, individuals really started getting hesitant about bringing in any kind of care because everybody was just scared about what this virus was and and how we were going to deal with it moving forward. As the weeks have turned into months and gosh, we're getting, we're creeping up on a half a year now dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, folks are really starting to get burned out with um, providing that care at home. And we're finding a huge uptick in family caregivers now really trying to take a calculated risk, as as they put it, and and really needing that support at home because trying to do all of this by yourself, quickly people are learning that is not a sprint, it's a marathon, and they really need to bring in some outside supports. And I've really been impressed with how community-based care organizations have been partnering together and working together to really 
actually decrease risks for our most especially vulnerable population and to really help them age in place at home as best as possible. So, Beth, I'm really curious um, to hear your perspective on what experiences you have had working in home-based care, in-home private duty care since the pandemic has happened and how this has been an option that has become ever popular during this time. Yeah, well, like like you said, it's, it's so important, I think, um, this during this time to be providing choices and options to people. A lot of people aren't even aware that they might not have to go straight to a rehab setting from the hospital. Or if they want to shorten their rehab stay, they don't know the options that are available for support at home. So that was part of the reason why Courtney and I wanted to talk about this. I think during this time, it's been even more important that we as a community and the community partnerships that we have, that we really come together and don't just think of what our own goals are, but really what the patient and the client's goals are. And that's kind of what made us want to speak about this today. Um, I, I know in our industry with home care, because there's been such an uptick of people wanting to possibly avoid a rehab or a skilled nursing facility, say, um, having home care to support the home health needs that they're having for a full and total complete supportive plan has been huge. And the way that we've kind of pivoted as a company is um, around April, we actually started actively recruiting caregivers who were interested and willing to do more 24-7 and live in caregiver cases because that is really what the demand is for right now. A little bit more of that. And a lot of people, sometimes they hear that home care piece and they think, I can't afford that. You know, and sometimes they think I'm going to the rehab because I have my, my free 20, you know, Medicare days. Um, but I, you know, I think it's important for people to know that there's different ways that we can to work it as far as to be financially possible for a lot of people. And just one small thing, you know, that I'd like to share is that um, having an actual live-in caregiver in the home, someone who is, is there in a separate space, but there first thing in the morning for someone, actually our rates start at about just a little over $13 an hour. And a lot of times people are blown away with that. And sometimes people, I just, this is really great in order for us to kind of work together and help support people. They need to know that you know, ask, ask that question. Don't just be thinking it's just not something you can afford. So I think just pivoting and being ready for the need of the 24-7 and living caregiver has been a huge thing that we've done. So Beth, in a previous life, I was in a similar role as you working in private duty in-home care and loved, loved that oh, okay. opportunity and loved the work that caregivers do. And, and I have to say, what I really found was that the private duty in-home care company, those those uh, nursing assistants are really almost like the air traffic controllers. They are with that individual client or uh, older adult, you know, on a day in and day out, day out boss, uh, basis. And they are incredibly pivotal in actually talking to the other healthcare providers that are coming in on a more short-term basis about changes that they're seeing. And yeah. they, they really have their, their finger on the pulse of what's going on with that individual. And they can speak some of that medical language that a family may not be able to, um, you know, understand or, or know what to say to, you know, the, the home health provider when they come in. So I, I do agree, you know, it, it really does 
take a very special a nursing assistant to be in the home, especially when you have a lot of coordinated care. One of the things that I really appreciated, and maybe Courtney, you can talk to this a little bit, is you know when somebody's bringing in some of that more restorative therapy. So instead of going to the rehab center, having some of those therapies actually done in the home. Uh, one of the things that I really loved was how the you know physical therapist or occupational therapist would actually train the in-home care provider on how to make sure that uh, individual at home is doing the required exercises to regain that lost mobility or, or things of that nature, where otherwise, if they were just coming in to do their you know 30 minutes of physical therapy, and then that older adult was left at home afterwards, chances are they wouldn't be following up and doing a lot of that um, restorative work in between visits. And I always found that it was awesome when there was a great team, and we always would find that people would improve so rapidly and, and so much better than they would if they were just at home alone. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what our therapists are working on in the home um, are their patient's endurance, their strength and their mobility, and there will be exercises that they have um, to leave with the family to work on. Um, but if you've got an overwhelmed caregiver, a lot of times, you know, they're too busy making meals and trying to keep everything afloat at home. It's really nice to have those CNAs in the home that can put into action um, a lot of the work that we're doing um, to help the patient um, regain a lot of the what they've lost um, just from a lot of this social isolation and staying in the home and um, really just seeing some deconditioning in the home. Um, it really does help to have both uh, parts in there where you've got the home health team working on therapy and um, you've got the CNAs there to support what we're doing. One of the things that I really appreciated uh, that Beth spoke about really had to do with um, the fact that, you know, people people talk all about, well, I just want to go into the rehab facility because I have those free 20 days. But what I don't think people realize is that Medicare also covers the therapies in the home. Isn't that correct, Courtney? Yes, they do. So um, all we need is a doctor's order from, it can be from the primary care physician. A lot of times we get them from the rehabs and hospitals, but for someone who's trying to avoid rehab or hospitalization, um, the primary care provider can actually write orders for anything from nursing to physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy, as well as social work for them to have right in their home covered 100% under their insurance. That's an important distinction to know. And uh, we have Beth Adams, who is a home care liaison with Home Care Assistance. We also have Courtney McAlpin on the line. She is the marketing manager for Biota Home Healthcare. And we're going to continue our conversation all centered around healing at home right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care, and you can find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.com. 
lifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our guests right now are Beth Adams. She is a home care liaison with Home Care Assistance. And we also have Courtney McAlpin on the line. She is the marketing manager for Biota Home Healthcare. And we're talking all about healing at home and the, uh, the steps and options available to folks when it comes to getting better at home. And Nicole, so often when we talk about caregiving, uh, it, a lot of times we come back to the conversation of communication and how key that is. Definitely. I, I think that, you know, it's great to have all these different parts and pieces of the puzzle together, but if you don't have communication between all the different organizations that may be providing care for your loved one, whether it's pharmacy to physician or, you know, home health to home care or, or home care to hospice or whatever it may be, you know, I think there are a lot of opportunities that are lost. Beth, would you mind talking to us a little bit about, you know, the importance of communication when you're trying to have a more restorative goal for an individual who's in the home? Sure. And I have to just go back to what you said as far as just how things are kind of lost sometimes in communication. And I think about my, my experience, my past experiences in home health and hospice and how many times patients and families would say the list of medications you have is not what my doctor has, is not what the hospital has, is not what the rehab has. So this is a whole other layer of support that we are offering together when we're in there. So we have our nurse overseeing our caregivers and also kind of reconciling those medication, communicating that, making sure the home health nurse has what we have. Um, and it just really, this whole partnership during this time of kind of making this pivot to, to really meet the needs of our seniors um, has, has made us kind of go one extra step. And so Courtney and I in our positions are much more involved with the follow-up of our patients and clients and with our team getting that feedback because our aides can do, you know, so much a range of motion exercises in between and, and, and note that someone is either progressing or declining, but how do we get that information to the home health team? Because we're, we're two different organizations. So that could sometimes be challenging. So Courtney and I in our position, and, and I know other um, agencies in the area are doing this too, but um, really taking that extra step to follow up with our caregivers, follow up with our, our client care and clinical care managers to, to get that information. And then we pass it off to one another and we're kind of facilitating that communication because that's key. We, we could gather all we want, but if we don't have a, a process to get it back and forth to one another, it doesn't really help. So that's, that's been a, a new commitment and a new change that we've made during this time. So Courtney, do you have an example to help those listening to kind of visualize what a working situation would look like if organizations were working well together? Sure, yeah. We, so we recently had um, a family that was discharging a loved one home from a rehab, and um, the social worker mentioned that the family needed 24-7 care. Um, and so instinctively, you know, I'm setting up their nursing and physical therapy and making sure all that's getting scheduled. And I'm thinking I need to connect with Beth at Home Care Assistance because I know her um, agency is capable of staffing a 24-7 care. So I gave Beth a call, gave her some information on the client, um, and then connected her with the social worker so that she could follow up from there. And Beth, I'll let you share on your end of things after pa I pass the baton off to you. 
Yeah, and I think that the key thing that, that Courtney mentioned is that, you know, we want to make this as easy as possible for the rehab or the hospital. So they can call either one of us and they know that it's all going to be taken care of because they don't want to have to make five different calls. They want to have a point person. So that's why it's another reason why it's so key that we all come together in our in our and our uh, partnerships. Um, so, th- so the thing is, and I know you know my background with hospice, Nicole, too. Um, I and our team looks at home care with that same sense of urgency because even though no one has a six months or less prognosis or might be dying, they they feel like it. You know, they're, they're, they're in crisis mode of feeling like we need support. And in this particular case, this family actually wanted to leave before their actual days were up because there was you know, a new, a new COVID outbreak. And they just said, we, we got to get out of there. And so we, we needed to come together, you know, really quickly. We, I think, got the call on Thursday from Courtney and were able to start staffing a 24-7 care on Friday night. And, and generally, I mean, the, the smallest things when we went out and, you know, the, the elderly woman was staying with her son and he was just so overwhelmed by everything. He, you know, um, didn't have just even personal care items in place. And so instantly our nurse and our caregiver were making a shopping list and saying, here, I mean, there's just this overwhelming emotional feeling he was having of how am I going to handle this? And we, the next day, got a text from him saying that he was just saying, your, your workers are all stars and it's wonderful. And I really feel it was just being immediately coming together, Courtney and I, as a team, to you know, meet that need, um, and, and it's in this partnership. Not, not neither one of us could could do this great rock star thing alone. And so I think it's it's a great thing for home care agencies and um, home health agencies to consider a partnership like this. Yeah, I think that's wonderful for sure. Um, I also know, you know, there have been some changes that I've heard, and I am certainly, I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not an expert in this, so I'm going to point to you, Courtney. Um, My understanding is that uh, there has been a realization uh, way up high from Medicare uh, that COVID-19 has really brought on a new degree of complexity for older adults. And many older adults are especially vulnerable because of their primary diagnoses and are, you know, frankly, not not doing great in their homes because their activity level has decreased and, and they really can't, you know, maybe get to an outpatient rehab uh, to, to get some uh, helps and support. So my understanding is that you can actually receive the Medicare benefit for home health because of COVID-19. Not that you you necessarily have the diagnosis, but because you are at risk. Am I right? Yes. So actually, uh, Medicare and CMS have expanded the definition of the homebound status. So in order to have home health, you have to be considered homebound, um, which a lot of times patients who are leaving the hospital or the rehab are considered homebound for a short period of time. Well, they've recently clarified that a client is homebound if their physician advises them not to leave their home because of a confirmed or suspected COVID diagnosis, or if they're susceptible to contract COVID-19 due to an underlying condition. So this really opens the doors for a lot more people to receive care in their homes. Um, anybody who's at home losing muscle mass, you know, not getting out and not being able to move like they used to, um, this is certainly something that they could take advantage of. I think that's absolutely wonderful for sure. And talk to us a little bit about some of the other triggering events that would allow a person to receive uh, home health at home. I mean, it's not just about physical therapy and occupational therapy. I mean, it could be something related to a wound. What what other things can can a person receive Mm -hmm. home health for? Sure. So I would say like the most frequent that we see is related to a fall. 
Um, you know, as you age, falls are more likely due to medication changes. Um, any muscle weakness, anything like that can cause a fall. And oftentimes the wounds can be related. So we can have nursing in the home um, to help care for and treat the wound. Um, Beth mentioned medication changes. Um, a lot of times there's a wide variety of medication changes. And even if someone is overwhelmed by um, their medications and maybe they have diabetes and they're on multiple um, medications for their diabetes and they're just having trouble managing them and they feel like they're never doing it right, um, we can have a skilled nurse come to the home to help with that as well. Um, uh, um, and including speech therapy and social work. Um, speech therapy a lot of times is a more cognitive change that you might notice in a family member. Um, a lot of times people think speech is just related to talking, but um, swallowing, cognitive changes, um, any sort of like big memory changes um, would be something that speech would benefit from. And social work will help you, you know, if you need assistance getting resources, um, or maybe if you're considering your loved one needing to move to assisted or independent living, and you really just need someone there to talk out what your options are and what's available to them. I love that. And, you know, there are not a lot of services that older adults can get that are that don't directly come out of your personal pocket. And that's one of the things that I think people are surprised about when they're listening to, to the show. There's so many things that you have to pay for privately or if you were lucky enough to get a long-term care insurance policy for. So when you're listening today and you, and you heard some of those things that Courtney just said, if that sounds like a loved one in your life, I really encourage you to reach out and, and see if you can get an order for a, a home health evaluation the worst that could happen is they say no your your loved one's not eligible but you know the best thing that could happen is they get those supportive services and and you hopefully can help them age in place for as long as possible and potentially even restore uh, you know some of those lost abilities that you you might have just assumed was were just generally age related but the reality of it is is you know we we can we can thrive in older adulthood and and home health is certainly a way to help a person regain some of that lost ability Beth Adams, Home Care Liaison with Home Care Assistance, and Courtney McAlpin, Marketing Manager for Biata Home Healthcare. Thank you both so much for taking some time to speak with us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life your care. I'm Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're going to uh, have a return guest here on the program. We'd like to welcome back Ted Goins, who's the president and CEO of Lutheran Services Carolinas. Ted, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Thank you. Good to be back with you. Well, I love sharing good news, and during the COVID-19 pandemic, good news has been really hard to come by. We'll take what we can get. Yes, and, and this, this is an amazing, amazing story, and just, it's quite frankly mind-blowing to me, but um, Ted, you are involved with the Sears Stone Retirement Community Giving Program, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about that program and an amazing milestone that you all are about to reach. Yes. Well, thank you very much. And again, thank you for having me. 
Uh, you know, we um, we partnered uh, way back. Gosh, I guess that was back in about 2011, uh, as Searstone was getting started, uh, and we partnered with Searstone to help them uh, get over the hump to get started, and then also um, uh, became a partner in what we've called our Searstone Lutheran Services Carolina's Community Benefit Program, uh, and that uh, program was set up to use. Uh, somewhere around 5% of the uh, gross revenues from Searstone uh, to specifically to serve uh, low-income seniors in Wake County. Uh, and that has just been a very successful program. Uh, once they got built and we were able to start um, funding that, and it started small because obviously when you only have a few residents moving in, you only have a, a, a that 5% is not a a large amount of money, but now that it has grown uh, and, and Searstone is full and getting ready to expand, it's just been a great, uh, um, a great program to serve lots of people in the community. So, what's how does this program work, and who, what types of organizations have benefited from this this program? And, and, and in full disclosure, uh, Transition Scouting Lights has been a benefactor for many years now, uh, receiving funding every single year to support our work to, with family caregivers that are low income in Wake County. And it's been a tremendous gift for us to be able to reach now about sixty five hundred family caregivers with our services at no charge every year. And, and you are so right, and I'm so glad that this program has been able to benefit you and so many other nonprofits. Uh, we set it up. We tried to be very simple with it, not making a complicated process. But again, it is to serve low-income seniors uh, in in Wake County, uh, and 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 so that's the the kind of the mandate that we gave ourselves uh, when we started this program. And you mentioned our milestone. Uh, we have just given away, matter of fact, to date since. Uh, 2014, uh, we've given away $2.6 million to nonprofits in Wake County that are serving that low-income senior population. Wow. Uh, and, and those have included uh, people like you, like Transitions, um, uh, Resources for Seniors, The Carrying Place, uh, Meals on Wheels, um, just so many, uh, Temple's Table, uh, Triangle Family Services, uh, just a number of organizations, the Raleigh uh, Carey Jewish Family Services, just lots of different groups that uh, that are using those funds. Uh, and so they really apply for a grant from from our committee, uh, and then we meet twice a year. So we, we, um, we um, make our selections uh, twice a year uh, uh, for the for those uh, nonprofits. And what I really love about this program um, is, you know, and, you know, Transitions Guiding Lights, we receive various different grants throughout the year from a number of different organizations. And some, sometimes it just feels sort of very automatic. You, you, you type in your information and you wait in here and everything's sort of a digital process. But what I really love about this program, and it makes it feel even more personal, is that you have residents that are involved in the selection of the grantees, and they even come and do a site visit and meet with you and hear more about your organization and take a tour of your organization and really want to hear what you've done uh, between the previous year and, and the current year, if you've received 
you know, funding in multiple years and what you're planning on doing the next year. And then you even get invited to speak at a resident council meeting to talk to all of the residents about your work and to really help educate them so they can understand where their dollars are going on an annual basis. And I just think that is, that's amazing because to be able to be in front of the folks that are giving the money makes it feel all the more special. Uh, you are absolutely right. You know, Searstone is such a great community and a great place to live, and it's a way of life. And the, the people that, that live there, you know, want to continue serving their community. Uh, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not a retiree that, uh, that has just decided to go sit on the porch. They are actually living and serving in their communities. Um, one of our committee members since almost the beginning uh, is, uh, uh, you mentioned, uh, and I'll, I'll call his name out. Uh, he's our secret sauce, Dave Wolf, um, <laughs> because all this money starts as resident money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Dave has taken this as a personal mission, mm-hmm. uh, not just to, to give out the money, but to to be um, uh, very aware of exactly um, who is asking for the money and how it's being spent uh, and and uh, and being that liaison back to the residents so that they can see um, what those funds are being used for to better the whole community. So are, is any of this information sort of like if people are curious just to see where these gifts have gone, is any of this publicly available anywhere just for folks to be able to, to look and see and learn about other charities that serve older adults in our community? Uh, it is, and I suspect you can find that on the Lutheran Services website and, and probably on the, the uh, Searstone website also, but I haven't specifically looked there. Um, every year, um, every um, uh, twice a year, when we make these grants, we uh, uh, post that information as a kind of a press release. Uh, so if you Google Searstone grants, uh, that would be another way to find the latest uh, or the whole series of press releases that show exactly where that money is going and to how many people. And it's quite interesting to me as well. You know, you're talking about, you know, this isn't like an episode of or the movie on Golden Pond, right, where people are just sort of out fishing all day. These residents are incredibly engaged in their community, and many of them serve on many different boards. And, um, you know, even the folks that are involved in this program have you know, a history of working with nonprofit organizations and are even willing to to give the gift of their time to help nonprofits, especially the small grassroots nonprofits, even with their giving programs and things like that. And I've just been incredibly impressed with the with the wisdom and the giving spirit of the of the residents at Searstone. And it's been truly a blessing to um, I know Transitions Guiding Lights and Transitions Life Care, as well as the many, many other organizations that I've been involved with, um, you know, that have actually received these gifts as well. And it's also, I think, a really neat opportunity, you know, let's just talk pre-COVID. Before COVID hit, you know, you would have an opportunity for the organizations that were recipients of funds to come together and, um, you know, sort of meet each other and have an opportunity to take a photo and things like that. But it's also very interesting to me when you get to meet other organizations and other organizational leaders that work in the nonprofit field, specifically working with older adults in Wake County. So I also must say I appreciate that ability to to do that because we don't often get a chance to network with people who do uh, work in a complementary way to the work that we provide. Well, yeah, you know, I, I mean, pre-COVID, uh, uh, it was a great opportunity to, to really to let those community resources kind of work together mm-hmm. uh, and, and to, to make sure that uh, 
that 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 we were addressing all the needs in the community or all that we're able to uh, with all these nonprofit partners uh, with Searstone, another nonprofit, and Lutheran Services, yet another nonprofit. Uh, so, uh, as far as the Searstone residents, you know, it really is a way of life uh, uh, for them. I mean, they've served nonprofits their whole life, uh, and they want to continue to do that uh, uh, from where they are now. So, I've been thrilled to uh, that we could be a part of this, uh, and that Searstone could be such an important part of this community. You also mentioned COVID. You know, now post or not post COVID, in the midst of COVID, this global pandemic. You know, uh, all of a sudden we find these Searstone grants are even more important uh, because many of these nonprofits have been strained uh, to the to the limit uh, by by this COVID world, and those low income seniors have been stressed even more. Um, and so now I think the Searstone program is even more important today uh, than it was then. Uh, and, and I'd also like to throw in the, the other real uh, pandemic that we have dealt with, if you will, uh, it, it are, are some of the racial justice uh, issues that our society uh, is dealing with. And, and from the very beginning, our, our, um, our grant process has tried to make sure that we were serving all of the community uh, 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 in, in Wake County. Uh, without regard to, uh, you know, race or, or culture or any other issue, uh, but that we make sure that the, those funds are going to all uh, nonprofit, uh, you know, nonprofits that are serving folks uh, all across the spectrum uh, in Wake County. That is heartwarming to hear. And uh, Ted, we, we thank you and Lutheran Services of Car- Lutheran Services Carolinas for the Searstone Grant Program and all that you're doing to provide gifts for uh, our community right here in Wake County. He is Ted Goins, the president and CEO of Lutheran Services Carolinas. You can find more information about them online at lscarolinas.net, lscarolinas.net. We're just about out of time for today, but I want to remind you that you can always find more information about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. And don't forget, you can listen to a repeat of this episode and all episodes of Aging Matters by heading to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button, and there find Aging Matters. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next Saturday at 4 for Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great day.